Okay, so this is the deliverance message. This is the D in abide. So we went from identity now to deliverance. I'm going to talk about deliverance a little bit differently than I probably would have talked about it before. Um, and let me pray real quick, and then we will go into this message. Holy Spirit, I just thank you, God. I, um, I thank you for the topic of deliverance, God, that your church is a church that is free from any bondages and anything that would hold us back and be any resistance to knowing you, Father. God, I thank you for your voice. I speak that hearts are open, Lord, to live a life that's delivered, that is free, that knows you and only you, God. Take us to that place, Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. Jesus. Okay. All right. Topic of deliverance. My goodness. Any way that I probably would have presented this topic before because of, like, having which honestly, I don't consider my ministry a deliverance ministry anymore. I don't believe that that's actually, I believe God wants his church delivered and knows him intimately. And if deliverance has to get a person to know him intimately, then that's what has to happen. I believe everybody is to walk in deliverance every day in freedom. Instead of it being a specialized ministry for the drug addict or the person over anxiety that has anxiety or depression, or battle sexual temptation. It's not a specialized ministry, it's just truth. And so it's been presented too much as a specialized ministry in, in churches that won't even deal with deliverance because they think it's all about demons and they've seen things happen a certain way that's made them afraid of the, of the ministry of deliverance. And so I believe that there's a scriptural way that we present the ministry of deliverance that could get into any church because it's just truth. And we're not dealing with it being specialized. That the church walks delivered, just free. And so I kind of, like how I would have used to have dealt with this, it was like very specialized. It was, you know, I'm, I would meet people one-on-one -on -one and deal with um, sessions of inner healing, of getting them free and doing this and doing, you know, in that way. And, and I kind of felt like God was saying, like, there's a way just to teach people truth, that they walk in these things, that inner healing happens in relationship with me, not a person needing to walk you through your stuff. I mean, and it's true, we do. Like, I've had to do one-on-one -on -one sessions myself with inner healing and deliverance ministries while I ran this ministry within the last year. Because there's things that I couldn't figure out what was, what was there. So there, there's truth to having a specialized, like, counseling type of ministry of inner healing, of deliverance for people. There's so much power in it. It's crazy. I absolutely do believe that. But I believe the church needs a message of what it is just to be delivered. What is a life of deliverance? And so I heard, I felt like I got three, the three topics in this, like I said before. Sometimes I just talk and it's just, there is no points at all. But when it comes to something that I feel like the Holy Spirit is like specifically downloading, considered like a curriculum, there's, there's points to it. And I felt like he gave me three. It was expect a war, expect victory, and keep watch. Those were the three things that I felt like this is how I want you to present deliverance. So let's just talk about Mark 5 real quick. So Mark 5 is when Jesus comes, um, goodness, is it the Sea of Galilee? I don't even know that part. Where he comes over and they have the two men. One of the gospels says it was two men. The other gospels say it was one man. That come out of the tombs that had the legion of demons on them. Is everybody familiar with that story? I mean, that's a very popular, I mean, talked on text in, in scripture that you hear. Because of the legion, how many demons? I've heard some people say the legion translate into 6,000, 10,000, whatever it was. It was a buttload of demons. <laughs> I don't need to tell you the number. Okay, the guy had a lot of demons. Okay, so 
You remember when I was like, I felt like, you know, there's not necessarily a very specific scripture like that can absolutely prove that a Christian can battle these things. I wasn't sure if I saw it. I don't think I could look at one and say this is a 100% scripture that proves this, right? And then somebody talked about the translation of Mark 5, because this is in the King James, okay? Listen to this. He says, when Jesus was, st was still some distance away, this man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. The man that had the legion of demons went, the word bowed is worshipped, went and worshipped Jesus. He knew Jesus. Right after he bowed in worship, the demons started talking. And you have the text where Peter, this is, the, the, here's another text. I'm, I want to mess people up. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Uh, hold on. Because this was, I was going to use this later. Let me see if I can find this. If not, I can just, I know what it is. But, um, okay. Peter, when Jesus rebukes Peter, says he was talking openly with his disciples. Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus was saying, I'm about to die. I'm about to die on the cross and be raised from the dead. Peter rebukes him for fulfilling and speaking the will of God. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You don't have my father's mind. <laughs> you have the mind of the enemy right there, speaking against the will. What happened? Peter spoke through human uh, reasoning. It wasn't reasonable to him that Jesus would die. And right there, Jesus calls out the devil. How many times do you go and speak to one of your friends and go, oh, mama, 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 this happened, this happened, and they give you some reasonable what sounds like good advice, and it was the devil. <laughs> because it wasn't the will of God that was going to speak to you in a different way. So he calls them out right there. So we have a few different experiences where you can see that the enemy was able to come in, somebody that clearly knew God. Okay, so you go back up to, to Mark 5. He bows before him, and then a demon comes out. So if we want to say that somebody who is demonized or battled demons, they cannot be in the church and they cannot be Christians, it's just not true. They can. And what happens? The separation of the mind. He bowed and worshipped God, and then all of a sudden the Spirit spoke. It's just like they talked about in James. You can curse with your mouth, or you can speak life. You can speak under truth, or you can speak under death. How bad can you quickly shift your mind? How can you have double-minded? Scripture talks about James is double-minded. We can be double-minded. There's even one translation. There's a text talking about it's double-tongued. There's things on you that can shift from death to life. Do you think that that's not allowing the enemy in to shift in there? This guy had legion, thousands of demons, yet he knew Jesus. What's also interesting about that text, it says, so he goes, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Demons know Jesus. They know when you don't know Jesus. They are very aware when you have a mindset that doesn't know him. They know him. They know when you don't know him. And there's areas of your heart, the palace parts of your heart that don't know him. They don't know him in that area. That belief system's not aligned to truth. That part of the soul is definite darkened. That's the area that needs deliverance. It's the darkness. So he goes, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus, has, Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Jesus repeated himself to the spirit. That's an interesting fact. So that demon 
stayed, tried to have conversation with Jesus, Jesus kept sticking on him. Go. Sometimes we give up too quick. This was Jesus Christ. That demon couldn't stand against him, but yet he had to say it to him a couple times. How many times are there wars in your life that you just come against once and then you bow to it and you're done? Even Jesus spoke to the demon a few times to tell it to go. And so what's, what, I, what I find very interesting is like people, when they step into deliverance and freedom, a war breaks out always. Now, either the Lord leads them into deliverance or they stepped into a new ground and the war was there. It's one or the other. Because when you look at the Israelites, you will find that when they were in, when they had been delivered in the wilderness, they had been delivered, they were in bondage, they got delivered, right? They were not yet in the promised land. When they were delivered, there was still power. Manna was still coming, so there were still miracles. But they were also battling enemies in that land. They weren't in the fullness of Christ because of trust. Their belief, the way they saw God, idolatry. There were things that kept them from the promised land. In that area, though, they still saw power. They still saw things. So they still saw goodness. So there's times people, they get a grab a land. They got free from something pretty bad. Or they're doing pretty good over here. They see power, but they don't see the fullness. There's still something hindering them. And there's still war within it. Then you get... Where man, God is about to shove you into some power. But in the power, getting to the power, there's going to be the war. I know in my own life I've stepped into many different areas what could be considered a promised land, what I thought to be a promised land. But God was like, there's even a bigger promise than that. That's just because you don't battle suicidal thoughts. You feel like you're in a promised land. Hey, when you've come from a lot of pain and you get free of it, man, you feel like you're doing pretty good. And then God messes you up when he says there's more. And so there was things, I was like, oh, I had some good stuff. I had some good things over here. And God said, no, I need you to take more ground. But you're about to come against the biggest giant in this ground because it's had residence for so long that it's a very familiar giant to you. Very familiar. And so when you come into that ground, the familiar mindsets, the familiar thoughts, man, they feel like they're you. And you don't realize that there's a lie. There's something in there that's keeping you from this power that God wants you to take. He wants you to take it. Now, there is a text where, where I like to use where Jesus casts the spirits out of people because the way spirits respond, I think, are funny. Well, first of all, that demon then goes like, we need somewhere to go. A demon's looking for a host. He says, send us to the pigs. You think demons aren't looking for a place to land? Are you a place that's a landing strip for a demon? They're looking for a place to land on somebody, and especially the church. They love it when the church doesn't believe the truth of God because they've just found a landing strip. They've just found a residence that is open to them. Now, there's the text um, speaking of that. Of, um, hold on, I'm going to find this because I really want to use this right now. Sorry, you're just going to have to wait. I have 20 million... Texas on my, on my stuff. Um, okay. This is Luke 11, 24 and 26. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for us. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and it finds the former home is all swept in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all entered the person and they live there. And so that person is worse off than before. 
Now, actually, Jesus says this, and what he's actually uh, referring to was that when the Israelites came out of exile, um, they didn't return to follow the prophets. They followed the Pharisees and scribes. They filled themselves with the law. Yet, sometimes you will make a choice where you think you clean up your life and you do pretty good and you got self-righteousness going on. And you are still a landing strip. You are still an open gateway because you are not full of intimacy. You're not full of intimacy. So the Jews thought that they were doing something good when they came back out of exile. They felt like they weren't following idolatry that, that drove us into the exile of, of, of Babylon. They, they believed that they had, they, they had gotten it. Now they're just going to go follow laws. And he was saying, no, they, they, they were to follow the prophets. And they didn't. So what? They swept it up, but it was still open, and the, and the Spirit could bring back seven more. There's many things in our lives where we feel like we did pretty good because we've cleaned it up, and we feel like it's okay over here. We're watching that area. Your residence is too clean for the Holy Spirit, and it is an open door to the enemy. And so people will walk into this ground that God's giving them, this promised land, and because it doesn't look right over here, they don't go into a place of intimacy to keep the ground. Because sometimes the ground that God's giving you is unrecognizable because you've never seen it before. And because the giant that lived in that ground is so massive, you believe that it's actually truth. And when God's saying, I'm giving you a brand new looking land filled with milk and honey, this is for you. But you've had such bad, just bad mindsets that you haven't claimed what I'm actually giving you. And when people step into this land, it's the spiritual blessings of Christ Jesus. It's what's talked about in Ephesians 1. It's the wisdom of God. It's the promised land of the eternal promise of what God predestined for our lives. And when you start to walk in the empowerment of what that is, there's a war on it. Because you've lived in your human nature for a very long time. The human nature that doesn't align with the mind of Christ. It's an undelivered mind. The delivered mind walks in the promises and the fulfillment. And so what I found is like, oh, it's a new promised land. But man, this is a bigger promised land than you've ever had before, Sarah. Meaning this is a massive giant that's been in your life of rejection, of fear of loss, of fear of me. You could never fully trust me even though you were able to do this over here. And walking into that giant, that massive giant, man. Oh, that it seemed just like it was me. Sometimes your biggest giant is you. You're coming against yourself. You're coming against what you've reasoned, how you've thought, your human knowledge, your human mind. One of the most difficult people I've seen to walk into deliverance, smart people. <laughs> Give me the dumb person. I'm just kidding. No, I'm more like, I'm just kidding. Give me the desperate drug addict. That's what I want. The desperate drug addict. Those are that, the person that's desperate are the easiest people to walk into deliverance because their desperation has broken their even smart mind. Reasonable, though, what would it be like? Philosophical, filled with knowledge, smart, scientific. I know this. My brother's a doctor. My dad's a theologian. I know this. I've been in this in my family. And I'm over here spinning like a little psycho with experiences with Jesus. And they're like, prove it to me in scripture. <laughs> I've had to deal against the, re the reason. But both my dad and both my brother are very smart, reasonable men. 
Do you want to know when it shifted for them? Encountering God's power started to make them want to know more and understanding, humbling. My brother had to be humbled in his life. This guy was brilliant, Duke University. I mean, just a very like interventional radiologist, high up there, always very, very respected. I was a little train wreck crackhead over in the corner. <laughs> I'm gonna send this to him. Um, and I was like, always, man, we'd go to stuff. My brother was like, he's put on this pedestal. And I always lived in that. Like, I always felt like, man, I was just such a mess next to that. My brother will tell you, he had to get humbled because he was able to achieve what he thought everything in himself to do through his mind. Very, very smart. He, he achieved so much, so much, had so much respect. Something happened in his life, if you, and he had already been through so much. My brother has endured so much crazy stuff. He had already been through, I mean, if you heard all the stories in my family, people are like, that's crazy. My brother has other stories. That this thing came in and hit him, and a humbling came in to where he had to see that everything he had achieved, God was in. It was not all him. And it's that mind, man, the mind that's able to, 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 to believe that they produce the success of their life. I was easy to get to. It was pretty clear. Sarah had not produced any success in her life. Jesus, it's easier to encounter Sarah. Like, it was way easier. And I would be like a mess under the experience of God. I was like, I don't know, but he throws me around. He's just powerful. And my brother's like, I don't understand that human reason. My brother, had, he, he had felt like he, he had established his life with his mind. Oh, I, I found the most, the hardest people are to get are the ones with too much knowledge. Got too much knowledge. Let's break your knowledge with his knowledge. Just encounter him. All of a sudden, you're going to want to shift. Yeah, I do know a lot of that, but I want it to align with revelation of his spirit. So it's very, I believe, I absolutely believe when it comes to a spirit of religion and there's a spirit of science, absolutely, that people get so filled with science because they need to reason out things in scripture and they love to know doctrine. They love to know everything behind it so they can box people in corners and it's pride. Oh, it's pride. Oh, there's certain people I sure I could come head to head with that would absolutely box me in a corner with their scripture to where I probably couldn't say a word. And it's a spirit that knows scripture. The devil knows scripture. Demon knows scripture more than we do. I believe it. Devil knows it. They've been around knowing this stuff before we did. The devil spoke scripture to Jesus in it. What did back then? They had the Torah, the five books of Moses. That's what he had. The epistles weren't even written. Who knows what was written? The demon saw what was on the scrolls. Pretty crazy. Was able to repeat that back to Jesus. So if you think that just because there's knowledge or knowing of scripture that you're empowering your spirit, a lot of people just empower their soul with pride. That's why I don't debate stuff like that. I, I only will yell if nobody can talk back to me. <laughs> I don't want anybody to me. <laughs> I, like, I get the power in the room. Everybody's got to be quiet. Then if you want to debate me, I'm gone. <laughs> I don't do the debating. I've had too much of that my whole life. I know that stuff. I know that that's spirits and stuff. There's no point. Let's just pray for you. Let's just pray. I'm going to pray. Pray that you're free. <laughs> Not that I'm always right, but kind of right. <laughs> I feel like Jesus tells me this stuff. Listen to me. Jesus is talking. <laughs> That's my argument. I don't know scripture, but Jesus is talking. 
talking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's just, I'm like, I'm never just going to write a learned scripture to empower a, a way for me to argue to prove something. That's the wrong heart. If I'm just trying to prove why someone else is wrong, why I'm studying, then that's off. My heart's off. I want to study scripture for me. Too many people, they want to study it so they can present something that looks good. So they look like they know. It's a religious spirit. It's a religious spirit. And it, what it does is wants to cause pain and offense and pride. And it's all over the place. Don't waste your time debating that stuff. And don't let it harass you and abuse you either. Pray. I'm smacking the religious spirit in its face right now. <laughs> just kidding. I am good. I can feel it. This is <laughs> people that, that their that's their heart and their reason is twisted and it's off. So you see that 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 when Jesus comes in contact with somebody who has a spirit on them, a demonic spirit, you will see that that first demon sends me somewhere else, still looking for somewhere else to go. You don't want to be a landing strip for a demon. You don't want to be the place where it wants to go. Then you find in later, he comes, um, he comes encounter, Jesus then encounters the child with uh, like the, um, oh, seizures, seizures. And so here's, he walks in. So they brought this boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. What would that look like? That would look like, the demon had more power, right? That the demon was able to do that to the child in front of Jesus. Here's what I found about the spirit realm and the enemy. When it encounters Jesus, it stirs up in fear. Stirs up in fear. Meaning when you're about to grab hold of a promised land from Jesus, that if there's a war that breaks out, get excited. That demon was about to leave that child. Yet it would appear that he had power. Doesn't have power. The enemies within the land that you're encountering are in a battle and a fight of a freakout of Jesus and the revelation you are gaining to walk in his power. But if we don't understand the war in the things that we battle in our life, if we don't get it, if we don't get it, and we just allow ourselves to spin and take offense towards God's character, you will not walk in the fullness of Christ. You will not walk in the fullness of the suffering that it's to bring on the other side. I've come to learn so much of grabbing this land in my life that every time I entered, I entered into a fight. Sometimes there was a resistance and fight that came on me that I didn't even know was because of what was coming. Oh, the truth and revelation of that. It'll shift. It will get you excited. It's why, like, when somebody tells me something horrible or blah, blah, blah is coming, but they're walking, I get so excited. I'm like, oh, you even know. That means, like, something awesome is about to come. The enemy just stirs up in fear of truth and the power within that. But when we collapse under the false manifestations of the spirit convulsing on the ground, it looks pretty scary. When we fall under the mindset of the power, what did you do? You empowered hell. You empowered it. They know what you believe. The enemy is aware, just like God, just like angels. May angels come to minister and speak. Do you believe that angels minister? Can you prove it? Yes, we have it all over scripture, right? Angels speak. They talk, they minister, they strengthen. They're out to do the will of the Father. So if you don't believe that the demons can do the exact same thing, meaning they can speak death, They've been fallen unto death. If you don't believe that they can do the exact same 
thing and do the opposite of the ministry and speaking, then we've been blind. We're blind to it. That the enemy will come in and try to shift that when you're about to step into crazy power. It's a different way of seeing any war on your life. It's a completely different way. Get excited for it. So what I come to find out is that I'd be like stepping into something that God was showing me, you're about to grab some crazy land and power. Oh, I have a good example. I have so many examples. Here's one. Here's one that just came in my head, so pray Jesus. I have so many. Okay, stepping into men's ministry. I was always a women's ministry. Here's the biggest thing. I was stalked for five years, like crazy abused by a man. This was 10 years ago I was delivered from, from this state getting away from him. And what that guy put me through is like a book and a movie. I mean, just unbelievable torment, hell, what he did to me. So let's just say I had a fear of men, like huge fear. There'd be times where if a guy would, I would be talking to somebody, I couldn't speak. I was so afraid of being hurt or just anything. Like I couldn't do it. There was this crippling fear of a man. Okay. It's a total joke because of what the call on my life was. There was a call on my life, and the enemy wanted me crippled in this area. My biggest now mentors are men. They're men. Like, those are the mentors I have in my life right now. Could I have done that a few years ago? Absolutely not. So when God started walking me, I'm going to get you to claim this ground where you don't have this fear. You're going to do ministry that is co-ed. I went into absolute panic. I can't even explain what it did to me. And as God started taking me into this and freeing me of these things, this fears, this whatever, it was over. It was through my spiraling. All the spiraling that I had was in all these different areas came at me at the same time that God was stripping me of. What happened was when I claimed that ground and knew that I was getting crazy freedom and I had like my deliverance mentor, Ray, who's Ray is a man. Like I had all these people that then came into my life because I was free of that area. All of a sudden, guess what happens? I get one of my front neighbors who I live in a back house, okay? Very, very private little back house um, in like a duplex. My front neighbor, who I am clearly obvious was an alcoholic and had, had lost his job. There's a point to my story. This is when you grab land. The enemy tries to trick you from knowing the land that you grabbed. And I knew what it was. This guy all of a sudden got very weird and almost obsessed with me. And it happened like that. And I knew it and I could see in the spirit realm some torment came on this man that made him think a certain way about me. And it was clear as day it was in the spirit realm. And I knew he was an alcoholic and he was drinking during the day. And I mean, it just like went like this. I was taping my blinds and my curtains to my apartment because I spiraled in the panic of when I was stalked. When I was stalked, I had, I mean, I was watched through windows. He would show, follow me everywhere. So I lived in this constant like this. That panic came back on me. And when it was happening, I still was spiraling, but I knew in my heart I had the lamb that I didn't live in that fear. The enemy wanted to trick me and tell me, no, you're still in that land of fear. What are you going to do with it? I promise you, every time you take a promise, there is an enemy that wants to tell you you didn't get it. It's why I see people that get delivered from depression, they come back two days later and battling it. No, you have this land. Are you going to take back the spirit? Do they come back to an empty house that's been cleaned and you're a landing strip for the enemy to believe the deception? Did it mean that I didn't battle? It went on for a couple weeks. I mean, I was pissed. I called my landlord. I was like, get this guy out of here. Like, he's like, no, get him out. Like, I got very mad at what was happening. I was like, even if I knew it was in the spirit, 
I still had to battle what came back up in me. And the whole time I knew, the whole time I knew the enemy is afraid that you just grab this land and your ministry is about to go bigger. Because now you're ministering to different people and they're afraid. And I knew it and I saw it. I knew it through it. I was like, oh, he's giving me a good message. Gave me a good example. Thanks, devil, <laughs> for that one. <laughs> to teach exactly what I was talking about. The land is still mine. You want to know what happened after that experience? Even more of a release of that stuff came on me. Even more of a power of where God was taking me and the ministry came on me when I overcame that. I walked through it. I walked through it. I didn't get him arrested. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go spray him with mace. I maybe wanted to, but I didn't. I knew it was in the spirit. Get your eyes open to the spirit realm. Get them open. It comes even in the natural. You want to know how I pray? God, I take authority over the demonic spirits that are harassing that man, directing it at me because they're afraid of me. I pray over his mind. I pray, God, that he's delivered. Shut it down, God. Holy Spirit, shut it down. It's an angels over there. I started praying, directing it in the spirit realm because I knew what it was. And what happens when you take that land and you push through what the enemy wants to make you think you went backwards, you will get a bigger revelation of how large your land actually is. Push through the enemies. Push through the enemies. I can literally give you example after example, this could go on and on and on, of so many things that I stepped into with God where he was releasing me, removing, stripping me of areas of my life. And when he did it, I would get a war, a breakthrough, and then a war in it. A false manifest war. It's what I believe that the spirits do in the presence of Jesus. They throw the, the, the people into convulsions. And then they look for a place to go. They'll look, can I come back to you? They look for a place to go with pigs. Can I come back to you? Are you landing, sir? Are you open? Are you going to take me back? Are we open? Do we accept familiar mindsets that then the spirits can align with and just talk to you, speak to you, harass you in that area? Now, does that mean that every area that we struggle with means you have a demon? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's so much to this because people can be very, very, very bound by something that, oh, you so got something so bad on you, I don't even want to deal with you. <laughs> like, it's that bad. And then there's just people, we just have brokenness that we've opened up to. You've had brokenness that you've opened up to, and the enemy has just aligned with what you've aligned with, which is the opposite of truth. And that's the area that needs the deliverance, and the major stuff needs the deliverance as well. Sometimes that's a root system that's a lot harder to get to. That's the messy stuff. And so, and God says, you know, keep watch. Like, our awareness of these things, our awareness, just having our eyes open, being aware that we aren't, we aren't a playing field for the enemy to come back and jump on board, looking for somebody that's open to receive him. And so, I felt like God, God wanted this message to be a message of how does my people, how do, how do my people live in a state of deliverance? Because the promised land is for them today. You know, the word rest in Hebrews 4, he talks about, um, let me go there really fast. I'm going to close with this. Let me just go there because I feel led to go to the word rest really fast. The word rest in Hebrews 4 has four different kind of translations of what, he, what he's talking to, but he refers to um, the rest being the promised land. So, still waiting for people to enter those rest. Okay. 
He says, now Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest. Now he's talking about the promised land. He says, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. The rest of when Jesus comes. The eternal promised land. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as he did creating the world. Then that word rest, he's referring to the Sabbath day. So it's translated multiple different ways. And what he's talking about the word rest. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fail. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, exposes the innermost thoughts. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked, exposing before his eyes, for he is the one who is accountable. There are things that are resistance on you to keep you from this rest. The eternal promised land that is given to all of us. There is the veils. There is the hardening of the hearts that keep you in resistance to entering and walking into this rest. Because in this promised land is an eternal rest of the soul. Where the soul is not in turmoil because it is aligned with the mind of Christ. It is the removal of everything that is not of him. Walking in the space where you are in a life that is delivered, you are walking in the rest in the promised land in him. And if we don't get our eyes open to the war within the promised land that keeps you from the, the areas of freedom and breakthrough, and if we don't get our eyes open that just because you said you love Jesus and gave your life to him and go to church on Sunday that you're in that rest. No. The rest of Jesus is the eating of the eternal life of the bread of life, not the manna. It's a different type of living. It's a different type of way of seeing. And it is a place where you will have to endure and push through and push through and push through in order to attain this. It's a sanctification. It's the stripping of the old. We go from glory to glory into the image of Christ so that you are a reflection into the mirror, into the mirror of him. But it's, I believe it's in James. It says, you look into the mirror, and the one that's, that turns away from the mirror is like the one that doesn't know God, doesn't know who he is. You don't know who you are. You turn away from the image of Christ. You then don't walk in the rest of who he is. And there's a, a, there, there's a sanctifying element of claiming this ground in our lives, that there is a war on it. There is a war the enemy does not want the church to walk in this space. He does not want it. He will do everything to uproot and throw every giant in hell that you have endured in your life to flare up when you walk into that promised land. Even if your promised land is over here, like God's saying, I'm going to give you this. Like, I want you to just, this, this power, this freedom, this whatever, over in this area. But yet, the thing you're enduring is over in the workplace. Doesn't seem like, I don't get it. That's not, that doesn't go align. If you understand that the enemy just wants to distract you from intimacy, you'll get another way of looking at what the giants are in your life. Another way. It doesn't make sense what they could be. They just want to keep you from knowing him. They want to keep you from knowing him and being in an intimate relationship with him in the rest of, of God, in the promised land. Um, and so I'm going to close this down. I believe that, that this is the, the power that we can walk in as a delivered church, as a delivered people that don't need a specialized ministry to get free, that we walk in this every single day as we run after the things of God.
Let me call, close down in prayer, and then we're gonna, we'll, we'll head into the second one. Holy Spirit, I just thank you, God. I thank you for a church that's delivered. I thank you for a church that's free, Father. In the name of Jesus, that just knows you, Lord, that takes the promise of what you've given us, God, that we are a new wineskin that want to know the new wine, Father, that we want to know your power, your presence, God. Take out the old, take out the old wine, God. Father, that our house would be filled with your spirit, Lord, that our hearts would be filled with your spirit, God. Take us into that place, Father. Take the church into that place, God. In the name of Jesus, amen.